0: So welcome, everybody, back for another Teen Tidbit. This is Evan Center of Center Counseling. So two weeks ago, I went to a training with Rick Hansen and it really inspired me, not because the information and the strategies were necessarily mind-blowingly new. Uh, A lot of them were twists on a lot of what I've actually been doing for myself and with my clients for years. But what was mind-blowing was the brain scans he shared to back up these practices. It is pretty clear now, given what we can see in brain imaging, that um, we have the capacity to impact our brain's structure. So yes, we can you know, change what we're thinking about, um, and sometimes other things will always pop in, but over time we can actually change our brain structure so that the underlying um, physical uh, brain is going to support different kinds of thought patterns. Um, And these concepts are totally relevant to all humans, not just teens or parents of teenagers. But what I want to focus on today is uh, how is this relevant to parents of teenagers? So first, I'm gonna give you guys some background on some of the key concepts of what Rick Hansen shared at the training. So first off, it's important to know that all humans, and this is not a flaw in any of us, but all humans have a negativity bias. And what that means is that um, our brain tends to orient toward the negative, toward any threat, toward stressors, toward um, conflict, that's where our brain goes. And there's a really good reason for this. Um, as you know, humans were existing um, a long time ago, if there was a threat, if there was a you know a, a mortal threat there, you know, maybe a saber-toothed tiger or something, and a human didn't pay attention to that tiger and was like, oh, nice carrot. Oh, it's such a lovely day outside. Oh, my partner is so kind to me boom, they're eaten, end of that genetic line, end of that brain structure. So it was the humans that really focused primarily on negative uh, stimuli that survived. That Those are our grandparents, and ultimately those are us. So you can always survive another day if you don't notice that beautiful sunset, um, You can't survive another day if you don't notice the threat and the stress and the conflict so this is why we find you know the way that that plays out now is that you know you find those times when you are at work and you get a 30 point review and um, 29 of the points on that review are lovely supportive kind feedback and you're doing great and then one is something that you need to improve and our brain automatically orients towards that one thing Um, and it's hard to get our mind off of it but the thing is is that it's not really why our brain needs to be what our brain needs to be orienting to now there are not so many things that will kill us in our modern existence Uh, we're very lucky to have gotten rid of a lot of the things that um, might have killed us, or or maybe we didn't. maybe other things got rid of them. but you know, between medicine and technology, we're pretty safe these days. And yet our brain is still orienting toward the negative. So just an important thing to notice that that one point on that uh, work review is actually not so dangerous as it feels in our own brain. Another key point from the training is that we can actually train our brains, to attend more easily and take in more easily the positive moments in our life. And what that looks like, it it can look like a few different things. Um, It can look like noticing those tiny, tiny little positive things that happen in our life, in all of our lives, um, no matter our situation or um, what's going on. But those tiny moments of connection or of safety or of um, abundance, if we can take in those those moments, if we can focus our attention on them, imagine soaking them in, um, then it actually changes our brain structure over time. And what Rick Hansen said is says is that you have to do this for you know roughly ten seconds, twenty, maybe probably better, thirty is great. Um, so it takes thirty seconds, ten thousand times. Basically, we need to be doing this over and over and over again, especially for us as adults. Um, it takes a lot longer to build these connections, to strengthen these pathways. in our brain it takes a lot of repetition. Um, but it is possible. And we can see this in brain scans. So the way that he recommends doing this is when you have those little moments that happen in your day, um, you know, you have a delicious bite of food, or you know, a courteous driver waves to you and allows you to go. You know, cut into um, their lane when you're stuck at a light, or um, little. It can be little tiny things, or it can be bigger gestures, like your your child says thank you, <laughs> or um, um, or you just have a really nice afternoon or moment with somebody that you love. So it can be those bigger things. It could be little tiny things. But if we can. Notice that those things are happening, and we can just dwell on them for a minute. You know, we're really good at dwelling on negative things, but if we can dwell on those positive things for a moment, either when they happen or later, maybe as a, an intentional practice, as a meditation, uh, that can over time change our brains and create more resiliency and can create more happiness ultimately. So the third concept that I wanna share with you guys from the training is a particularly, it can be particularly tra- challenging actually, but it can also be incredibly powerful. And this is where it gets really interesting. So again, this is a pretty advanced stage of, of the process of, of this mindfulness practice. Um, but we're gonna dive in anyway, because I think it has such powerful implications for parenting of teenagers. Um, and this is called pairing. And so what it looks like is that, um, well before I even tell you how to do it, what I want you to think about is imagine if you could tap in to your love for your teen and their love for you, knowing that deep down that exists, even when she is rolling her eyes at you or when he is huffing and storming away from you or perhaps even scarier at times when he's storming toward you. What if you could imagine turning down the volume on their sometimes obnoxious oppositional behavior and turning up the volume on what is really there at the core? How would that impact your feelings in that moment? How would it impact your experience of your teen? And think about how it would impact your behavior and your response to them. So the point of this pairing practice is to help us as humans, as parents or or not as parents, but to help us get our brains out of the red zone, this place of over-alertness, over-stimulation, where everything feels so threatening. And into a place of connection, of positivity, of resilience. And the thing is, unless your teen is being physically aggressive toward you, most of these situations do not contain any real threat. And yet, because of this negativity bias, the way that our brain is structured, we often respond either emotionally, internally, or outwardly, to these situations as if a saber tooth tiger is across from us and not our teenager. So let's talk about how to do pairing. There are a lot of different images that you can use with this. um, And probably it's best to begin by practicing pairing not with your teenager actually in your face. So something that you can do when you have a spare moment to yourself, when you're waiting and they haven't come out to the car and you're picking them up, or um, at night after they're in their room pretending to do homework and are actually on their iPhone and (laughs) you're trying to go to sleep. Um, So to find a a place of peacefulness. So you're gonna start by doing some really basic relaxation for yourself, whatever that is. Maybe it's breath work, maybe it's some gentle yoga. um, And really just sort of becoming present in your experience and and really um, calming yourself, starting out from a calm place. And then you're gonna next, begin to introduce into your mind as the focal point of this meditation, the love that exists or the caring that exists, whatever word resonates for you, but that positive core of your relationship with your teenager whether it's the feelings that you know deep down exist from you toward them, or perhaps in addition to that, the feelings that they really truly have toward you that are positive. And I know sometimes that can be a little bit difficult because teenagers are not often the most uh, positively emotive um, or grateful or any of that. Um, But begin by thinking about that positive core of the relationship. And allow yourself to just sit with that for a while, and really soak it in. And then what you'll do from there is you'll bring up, uh, you know, their whatever it is, whatever that behavior is that tends to tick you off or drive you up the wall or really, um, you know, sort of uh, get your get your brain going into that hot place, that red. Zone, that alert um, fight or flight place. And you're going to keep these two images the, or feelings or sensations, however you're dealing with them, in your mind. But you're going to make sure that the love and caring is much louder, is much clearer, is always in the forefront. And you're going to sit with these two things at the same time. And some ways to help keep the... Um, activating situations with your teenager from taking over. Um, you can imagine that that sort of activating behavior, whether it's eye-rolling or huffing or talking back or storming away or storming toward, whatever that thing is that's challenging for you. You can imagine it um, sort of being on a staticky television. Like You can sort of tell what's going on, but... Um, And I know I can use that analogy with you guys, even though we don't have staticky television anymore, but you all know what that is. So it could be that, it could be that you're watching it through um, a steamed up window and you can see it. Uh, You can maybe hear it, but it's hard to hear or see. Maybe it's imagining um, that they're talking to you on the cell phone and whatever those words are that are really activating or triggering for you. The phone connection is really bad and they're sort of breaking up and it's muffled and jarbled a little bit. So you're holding that at the same time as you're holding the loving, caring feelings. But the loving, caring feelings are really clear, really present, really in the forefront, are really loud, And, uh, and the other feelings are remaining quiet. And so you're just gonna sit with those two at the same time for a while, however long you can keep your attention on the two. Um, while maintaining the loving kindness connection piece as being the forefront and the other one is being quiet in the background. And so this is the sort of practice that when you get better and better at it, eventually, hopefully, you can take it into the actual relationship. And so that might look like something um, like, I, I think about the Peanuts cartoons, how the adults... Um, you know, you never really quite know what they're saying. You can hear their voices and roar, 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 um, but you don't know what they're saying. And so, you know, we can just look at our child and we see that behavior, and it's sort of blurry now. And we can really cut to the core, and we can respond to them from this place of um, our brain being in a real green zone, not in a real threatened zone, um, and and then see where that goes. See where it goes for you. See where it goes for your teenager. It has really interesting implications for parenting. It has interesting implications for professional relationships, for love relationships, for global relationships, governmental relationships. I mean, imagine if we could all interact with each other, cutting through all the BS, all of the the BS that's created not only by, you know, the words that are said, but also by our brain responding to other people as a threat that's, maybe not entirely as threatening as it feels. Um, So this practice, whether it's just soaking in those positive moments or this advanced part of the practice of really pairing those challenging moments and the positive connection, can help you keep your brain in a much calmer, more peaceful, and enjoyable place. Because I know it is no fun to be in that hot red zone with your teenager Um, and so I offer this to you guys as parents as a way to take care of yourself uh, in your relationship with your teenager but in general as well and to um, start to evolve your relationship with your teen whatever is going on this can uh, start to shift it and change it So that's all for today's informational teen tidbit. Thank you for listening. And I'll sign off.